0: In this episode of the business of commerce I talk with Brian Miller about importing products from China. This is the business of e-commerce episode 133. Welcome to the business of commerce the show that helps e-commerce retailers start launch and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host Charles Plesky and I'm here today with Brian Miller. Brian is the founder of easy China warehouse. He specializes in importing goods from China. And this is the second time I've asked on the show to chat about the entire process, start to finish about how you can import goods from China. Brian's an expert in this. So I think this shows be very interesting. He answers a lot of great questions here. So on to the show, Brian, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having
1: me on the show again.
0: Well, yeah. Awesome to have you back on the show. I don't typically, uh, we do do repeats very quickly like this, but repeat guests, you're on episode 127. We're talking very COVID specific. So I figured we actually started talking after the show and just kind of, just on the general, um, you know, working with getting products over from China. And I was like, you have a background on this. You're, you're a lot more of an expert than I think most people, right? Like a lot of people talk about this on kind of this theoretical level, but you, so first of all, we kind of mentioned this. People want to look back in 127, kind of mention your background, but just real quick. So you've been living in China for how long?
1: Yeah, I've been living in China for the last 10 years. Um, and I used to work at a a Chinese state-owned manufacturer. So I used to work for a Chinese company that manufactured uh industrial products. Um and then from there I started an e-commerce business where I sell Bluetooth speakers and also a logistics company that helps e-commerce companies ship from China. So that's kind of my story. So I've done everything from manufacturing uh, to e-commerce and also to um, shipping and logistics. So you have a little bit of
0: experience, sounds like. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Just a little bit. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that's why. So when we start talking after about just getting... I think a lot of people get in the weeds when they want to source from China. They start looking at Alibaba or wherever else and just the whole process. There's so many little steps. It's one of those things like people just say getting products from China. And, you know, it's like this, it sounds easy, like this one little statement, but there's so many little things wrapped up in that and they're very different, right? From talking to a factory, um, finding the right products, getting them over to the U S getting them into a warehouse. Like there's so many steps in between and they're all very different. So I hope maybe you could just start walking us through on if somebody's never done this before, what should they like? Could you just walk us through the process. I guess let's start off there. Yeah.
1: So I think the easiest way to begin, and everyone thinks, oh, there's got to be another more um, sneaky way to do it, but but everyone should start on Alibaba. So I know it's the common, uh, you know, way to find suppliers, but it's also one of the best search engines to do that in China. And so you know, you can search in Alibaba, just like you would into Google the kind of product or commodity that you're looking for. And there'll be lots of suppliers that will kind of show up on that page. And what I tell people uh, specifically when you are looking for a supplier, um, you want to look through the pages and you want to see that they are actually making uh, a, a range of products that's similar. They're not, you know, they're not making cell phones and kids toys. So if they are making those type of items, it means that they're probably a, tr- a trading company. Um, make sure that they have kind of a similar product range that kind of matches what a, a factory would make a similar, you know, like one category of product. Um, and, and, what, and so narrow it down to that, those that? type when of companies you when you, that you, they, when you they, say that
0: actually, why do you not want a trading company? Why do, why is this a bad thing?
1: Yeah, actually, it's a great question, because I think a lot of people are, are concerned about, you know, they want to be at the very, very bottom source, the the guy that makes it. And it's a great question, because in my opinion, that's not always the best way to do it. Um, actually, when you're smaller, and you're less, um, you know, competent in, in sourcing, sometimes it is helpful to have a trading company help you do a lot of the work because trading companies actually add a lot of value to the sourcing process. They have long uh, standing connections uh, in their field of expertise. So they might be a a trading company for electronics or a trading company for toys or whatever whatever it would be in some category. And so they know the product well. They have deep relationships with the factories. They often can get a much better price than you can and, and the price is competitive. And they can also help you with a lot of things outside of the product manufacturing, which is like, um, packaging, Uh, sometimes they can help with logistics. And so, and oftentimes they can also help you buy low quantities of product. So when you do start manufacturing with a a factory, they require a minimum order. And usually the trading companies are better at uh, negotiating lower order quantities than you would be on your own. So, Yes, I would say there is an advantage of sometimes using a a trading company and sometimes using a factory, depending on your preference.
0: So just know what you get into, right? It's kind of like going through a distributor, you know, you're getting a slightly worse margin, a state-side distributor, right? You know, you're getting a slightly worse margin, but you can go to one distributor and get, you know, 300,000 access to 300,000 products versus going directly to a manufacturer. You get just their SKUs. So like just know the pluses and minuses, it sounds like.
1: Right. And and also when you work directly with a manufacturer, there are some benefits as well. So like if you want to do your own design or your own unique product, it's probably a little bit easier to communicate directly with the factory instead of through a trading company. And then he communicates to the factory because there's a lot of communication that gets lost. Right. Um, or. Uh, the factory might be better aware of how the products made so they can help you with making suggestions to the product for improvements and things like that. Maybe a training company doesn't have that expertise. So, yeah. There's like kind of costs and benefits to going each method and it depends on what your approach is uh, as you go to, you know, bring a product to market.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by drip drip. is a world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation rules visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation rules. It's powerful, but also easy to learn. Unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation to get a demo of drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash B O E. That's drip.com slash B O E now onto the show. So, sorry, I just wanted to, want to get that point in there. Cause it's a, it's a good one. And I think people missed <laughs> that, but <laughs> back to what you were saying on once you actually start looking at the products on Alibaba, what do you do from now?
1: Yeah, then then you try to find a, a, a factory that meets the product type that you're looking for. But also I like to tell people the size. And so yeah, it's good to make sure that the, the factory matches your size. And then we recommend uh, finding three or more factories to compare products and prices right. with. So when I mean three or more, it could be three to five or three to 10 or three to 20. Uh, but you need a few factories to compare, uh, the product, the cost and the offer from, from the factory. And, um, and that's how you kind of start getting, uh, started in comparing which factories you want to try to start working more closely with.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So then once you start getting these quotes, is it? Are you just looking for like the lowest bid, or what kind of stuff? Like, what else should you be looking at other than just raw cost?
1: Yeah. So I think other than just raw cost, I think you should start to get a feel for how professional the the factory is. Like, some will give you like really detailed quotes. Some will reply very well, very quickly. Um, some will not. Some will give you real, you know, they'll give you one line with a, with a dollar cost and they won't tell you anything about the factory. They won't show you any thick photos of the factory. Um, so I think it's part of this time period is to kind of get a feel for who you feel comfortable with, who's professional and who, you know, would be a good long-term partner if you were to choose a factory. So that's also what kind of what you're getting a feel for as you go through the quoting process. Gotcha.
0: Is there anything you shouldn't ask in the quoting process? And oh, we're going to say.
1: Oh, I was just going to say also like when you do start quoting, you're going to get prices that are all over the place. Okay. So you're going to get like, you know, you, you quote a product and one is $5 one is 8 and one is 10. And it seems really crazy that the price differences are so high, but I always tell people don't discount the price that's extremely low like sometimes there's a price that's so low that it seems absurd right that it's so low <laughs> and that doesn't mean necessarily that the product quality is going to be poor it could mean that that factory is extremely experienced and has high volume manufacturing that products and therefore because they have high volume and because they're an expert in it They've optimized their factory so well that they've reduced a lot of costs. Maybe they automated parts of the manufacturing. Maybe they, you know, there's a lot of different factors. So don't discount anyone that seems like really crazy low. (laughs) Uh, Make sure to, obviously, we want to start removing the people that are way too high, that are like, uh, you know, way, way out of the price range. But you take the people that are kind of in the mid range below and start going further with them.
0: Oh, so that's different, right? Because I feel like when you're hiring, let's say a graphic designer or, you know, software consultant, you like the rule of thumb is just don't go with the low, like whoever's the lowest bid, don't go with that person. But this <laughs> sounds like that is actually like a little opposite. Whoever's the highest bid, don't go with them. Um, pick everyone from the middle to the lowest in that your range.
1: Yeah, I would say in general, I mean, unless you have a very unique high-end product that you don't mind paying for someone that might care about every nook and cranny of the product, right? And then you don't mind spending a little bit more. But generally we need to like have a reasonable amount of cost to bring it to the market and make a profit for ourselves. And so we recommend, you know, taking the really high guys and knocking them out. And then taking the people that are in the middle to to lower end and going further. And usually the next step would be to kind of start ordering samples from them. So you would want to take those factories that you felt Number one felt good from working with them. They feel professional, uh, good, good. And they have a reasonable cost for the product. And then we recommend that people go and actually purchase a sample from the factory and have them ship it to you.
0: When you say purchase, and once you get
1: that sample to
0: you, I've seen people get inside on the purchase thing on, they try to like demand like free samples. Is that a thing? Or should you just like assume you are paying for these?
1: I mean you you could ask for it, but to be honest like I think that used to be more prevalent in China a while ago to get free samples, but in China, factories have been so inundated with like either people wanting um free samples because they don't want to pay for the product and they're not actually real serious buyers um, or or they're just being a little bit you know too aggressive in demanding, you know, a sample from 30 or 50 factories. And factories uh, are starting to wise up to that. And they're basically saying, look, if you're serious about business with us, then you're going to spend the $10 or 50 or 100 bucks to get the sample. And that kind of shows us that you actually are committed and are relatively more serious than just any other guy. You know what I mean? And so there are, you know, you have to think of it on both sides, right? The factory is also betting you as you are betting them, right? I think. And so they need to have that measure.
0: People miss that part of the process. Isn't this, isn't like going to like a store where, you know, you're the cust, like you are the customer in a way, but also it works. This is like a, a more of a relationship. It's not just this like, one directional like, customer money and like, I'm in charge, you do what I want. This is a relationship you're creating with this factory at this point where you want to show good faith. You want to show you're going to be a good customer. Like I can pay on time. Like, so you're both like, it's literally like going on like first dates where you're both trying to like put on your best show at the beginning. And like, you know, you don't want to do anything too crazy, like say anything bad. Like, so this isn't don't act like you're going to like Walmart and you can demand anything you want. This is a very different process. Sounds like.
1: Right, exactly. And and it, and if you put yourself in their shoes, you can understand why, you know, if they get 100 emails a day on Alibaba from people and 100 people want uh, samples sent to them, it's actually also quite a burden for them to have someone shipping out 100 samples to all these people every day. And so they also want to narrow down the people that are sending them inquiries to the ones that are serious. And how they do that is they charge you for that sample And the people that pay are the ones that they're more interested in going forward with. So, so it's kind of a, both sides need to think about it that way, right? That it's a a relationship that you're going to build over time. Yep. And so both sides need to show some type of commitment and trust
0: and honesty throughout the whole process. Got it. Okay. So you stock in these samples, this could take, I'm assuming a few weeks at this point, right? Um, Unless they're air shipping them over, but most likely it's going to take a while to get these.
1: Yeah, it's. It, I mean, they're usually going to airship them over, but yeah, it will take a, a few weeks. You know, maybe they might have the product in stock or they might not. They might need to finish a production run or they might need to actually make the sample for you because they're not holding it in their warehouse for whatever re- or their factory for whatever reason. So, yeah, this is going to be, you know, searching for factories. Then you're going to be talking to them for, you know, maybe a week because you have the time difference. Right. Every day you can only send one email night and morning. Right. And then then you're going to you know, narrow down your suppliers and then choose to to buy a few samples. And then it's going to take a week or two to get your, you know, wherever you live. And so, yeah, this could be already a month into the process. Got it. I mean that's maybe a little long, but maybe it's definitely a few weeks. Right.
0: So just to be realistic, right. So you're not, this isn't something you expect, you know, sample come you know, two days, sample comes and you say yes and you're going, but so it's going to take a while, but let's say, right. so once you get these yeah. samples, and you decide, is that the point? You just get the samples, look at the cost and now you're ready for a decision or is something you do in between?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on whether you're buying a product that's already been developed by the supplier. So that's a bit simple. More simple is, you know, if they're sending you the product that's already has a mold made already is, you know, been produced for that by them for a long period of time, it's probably relatively easy to go forward with one of the suppliers and to start discussing uh, cost, payment terms, um, the packaging that they'll make for you, uh, and things like that. and 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 if it's not, if you're going to develop your own mold, then you, you might have a longer discussion about how much of the mold costs. Uh, how long is it going to take to create a sample? What are the parameters for um, a successful sample? so you you you'd want to give them. Hey, this is a qualified sample for me. This is not. And, um, so that's a longer discussion. If you're going to start, you know, manufacturing a new unique product rather than something that's already been built by the factory. Got it.
0: Okay. But for the ones that have been already built, you're basically just getting now payment terms. How do you know, I'm trying to phrase the question correctly going into it. So let's say you're looking and minimum run is, I don't know, a thousand units. It's, you know, 10 bucks per unit, you know, $10,000 US, how do you know what's going to be the total cost of like this entire project? Like, how do you stack in a scope on the project cost, right? Because it's not just buying the products, importing them, there's going to be other things. So like, how much of this is going to be in the factory mode versus the importing side? And how much do you really like allocate for this? So yeah, this is a great question.
1: And this is what I think a lot of entrepreneurs make mistakes on when they are buying their first batch. And I think we get a little bit too caught up in number one, the MOQ. So the MOQ means the minimum order quantity that the factory requires us to buy. And they say the number, but that number is always negotiable. So if the factory says a thousand, you could always negotiate down to a few hundred, right? And they're gonna charge you more for those pieces because it costs them more to make a smaller batch. But in my opinion, it's a good strategy to tell the factory to say, hey, look, this is the first time we're working with you. We wanna try a sample batch or a sample order with you first. And that gives the factory the feeling, hey, they're not gonna order this small all the time, but they wanna try us out. And you can reduce the amount that you need to buy, you know, in a quarter, a quarter of what they, they told you that was the minimum, right? And even though it's gonna cost you more per piece, It's going to lower your overall risk if the product does fail, like if you aren't able to sell it or if you're not successful selling it. And so I always recommend that people don't worry about the first batch and how low you can get the product cost. Try to minimize your risk by buying the least amount of product you can from the factory. (laughs) So that's how we recommend people going about it is lowest quantity, um, pay a little bit more and just, just, you know, be more careful on the first one. And especially because it's also the first time you're manufacturing with them. So you want to not get a whole batch of 10,000 units that turn out to be poor quality or something. Right. So, so you also want to protect yourself from a quality standpoint as well.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like some, so many people first get into this, they take into account that first order, but then getting it to the U S is a whole another cost. they getting into a warehouse. Okay. Now shipping it now advertising. So they have just enough. They're basically trying to find like, the, they have like, no, they have this much money and they're trying to just like squeak by and get just enough and be like at 98%. And they don't factor all these other costs. And then you're basically just right. undercapitalized and you don't have enough to advertise or market these. And then you can't sell them. So then the whole thing, whole project looks like a failure, but it's really just, you tried to bite off, you know, 10,000 units when you should have been looking at 1,000 or 500 even just so you have enough capital to bring it to the finish line.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And also like, I think you can understand what the cost would be if you had 10,000 units and you know, in order from that amount and what profit margin you can make. But just go and buy one or two thousand units, right? And even on those one or two thousand units, if you don't make a lot of money or you even break even, you at least know what margin you can get once you increase your, your scale, right? Because usually on the first production run, to be honest, you're probably not gonna make money no matter what. You're gonna make some mistake, you know, you're gonna figure out how you're selling. Maybe your ad cost is going to be higher than you, you you imagined, right? So so I think it's important to know, hey, what can I get my cost down to as I go through the process? Will I be able to be profitable on the second
0: batch that I buy or the third batch? Okay, so um, And batch I think that's the way that people should think about it. The batch is an experiment at that point. It's,
1: yeah, I think, I mean, it, there's definitely people that make money on their first batch, right? For sure. <laughs> but I don't think it's, I don't think it's the norm. And I don't think everyone should expect that, you know, the first thing you order from China and you try to sell that you're gonna, you know, make a ton of money on it. You're probably gonna be learning a lot, you're probably gonna make a few mistakes, you you know, it might cost you more because we'll also have a, a lower you buy the transportation fees are higher per per unit, right? So to ship by either air or sea your cost per unit just to ship that from China to the U S is going to be much higher than if you had a lot more uh, scale. Right. And so, and so, yeah, it's going to be tougher to make money in the beginning, but I think it's more important that you test the viability of your idea and come to either success or failure as fast as possible. And that's by buying a smaller amount and testing it and see if it works. Got it. Yeah.
0: I always I love that kind of methodology. i see so many people that, they, they picture, they're going up like first at bat. And if they basically don't hit the ball that very first pitch, they're like, they're going home and that's the end of the whole game. And you're like, no, 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 this is like, you're going to be doing this like many, many times. This, this this, like is your new job, basically. Like, you know, you're going to be just taking swings and you're going to miss, and then you have to take more swings. You'll get a couple hits. You'll get a base hit. So don't expect a home run. Don't even, don't even expect, I like what you said. You don't even expect hitting the ball your first time up. Just expect you're going to get there. You're going to swing. And as long as the ball doesn't hit you in the head, you're in good shape. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then yeah. what do you do? For, so, okay. So negotiate that first batch. What do you expect from that? Timing wise, do you expect, you know, this is going to take weeks at that point. And then when you start actually lining up shipments, like when does that like, what is the, cause now you're talking scheduling at this point, right? On things are just going to start, once you put that order and you pay things will start happening um, <laughs> and you need to start like scheduling, everything to happen in, in a timely manner.
1: Yeah. So basically after you kind of choose to work with a factory or you have you've made your, your main decision, you'll kind of work out the terms. So, you know, usually you usually have to put a deposit down to start the order and uh, typically it's 30% down and then 70% of the order amount when they uh, give you your goods and um, you'll get all those terms down. And then they will usually give you a a final production sample. So that means they'll make the product for you. They will uh, include all the packaging, all the branding on the product that you want, uh, wherever you want it. And then they will ship you that product. And then you will see it one final time and approve or or not approve the product before it goes into mass production. So that's kind of like the step to like get you to mass production. And then you'll give them the okay to do mass production you give them the deposit 30% of the total order amount, and then they'll start making it. Uh, and typically manufacturing for, I mean, it's hard to say because every commodity is different, but I would say on average, most things take at least one month. Okay. Some things could be a lot shorter. Uh, but as a general rule, at least
0: a month for a month production, for production. Okay. Uh, so to actually get, that's yeah, not, yeah. not a month to get it to the us a month just for you. When you submit that first uh, payment a month to actually get, that email back, Hey, we're done creating that product for you.
1: We're we're done making the product. Yeah. It might be a little quicker for other, for some products like uh, apparel or textile type things can be made very quickly. They're quite simple. Um, if you're going to make some type of electronics, it's going to be much more complicated. The thing is the more complicated, the part is the more sub suppliers they have. So the the factory that you're talking to is the end assembler basically, right? They take a lot of different components from a lot of different smaller factories below them, they purchase them and then they assemble it, the final product. So the more components that you have in your product, essentially, the longer it will probably take to manufacture. Got it. Um, and, and so, so yeah, you're going to, you know, have that time of manufacturing. And then after uh, it's manufactured, you would set up with a freight forwarder. So someone that helps book product either on a ship or on an airplane, for your product to be put onto that container or onto that air freight um, shipment to to the u s or to your three pl it, it' either go i guess to your house if you wanted to ship it on your own or a local three pL in the u s or Amazon right a lot of people it's very common to to be selling on Amazon so That's one true. of those three places you'll probably ship your product into the u s and then you'll try your your luck at, at selling. <laughs>
0: How do you pick a freight forwarder? Like I know because you go and you can literally drive down the road going to the airport and there seems to be like, you know, 30 of them, right? Just X, y, like XYZ freight forwarders and there's another one in a brick building that looks just like it. Do you just start like calling them out of the yellow pages? Do you talk to the factory? Like what do you – like what's that look like?
1: Yeah, it's a good question because we do freight forwarding uh, as part go. of my company. So um, it's it's kind of a – a pretty commoditized service in one way in one aspect, but not in another. So I think the first thing you need to look at is someone that if if you're doing e-commerce, let's say, um, someone that has experience sending, uh, you know, products into a us three PL or into Amazon would be important, right? So if the freight forwarder specializes in shipping heavy machinery around the world, they're probably not a good fit for you, right? So there's certain freight forwarders that focus on like very specific niches in the market and you would not want to work with those people that don't relate or don't usually ship what your product is. Got it, yeah. So if whole- your product is not a hazardous material, if it's, if it's not a battery, if it's not a machine, yeah. then don't go with those guys and go with the other guys that are, at least have some understanding of what you need.
0: Um, I think that's the first thing. How would you know sure. that though? Cause I mean, there's a whole group of them that do cars, automobiles, right? Like that's a whole industry in itself, just automobile freight forwarders. But how do you even start, like, where do you go? Just you start like Googling around? Like, what do you, where do you find the list of freight forwarders to even know? And then how do you know, do you call them and just say, Hey, what do you specialize in? And do they actually tell you or like, <laughs> like, is it, or is it yeah. the Alibaba freight forwarders somewhere?
1: It's a good question. Um, There are a few aggregators of of prices on the internet, Um, but actually as we do a lot of shipments on our own and a lot of our customers come from referrals. So I would say more than 90%. So I would say the business is still very traditional in that it um, kind of, you know, people acquire customers through kind of word of mouth and trust and uh, recommendations. And I would say that's probably the most common that we see. Someone starts an e commerce company, they ask their other friends, hey, who do you use to ship? Or they do e commerce and they jump on an e commerce thread on the internet and they say, hey, what's the best freight forwarder to ship to Amazon, right? And so generally we see uh, more people going with that route rather than Googling. Because if you do Google, you're going to get a list of hundreds of them. And you're going to call them up and it's, impo- it's really hard to tell them apart because <laughs> they all seem to do the same thing. Right. And so it's, it gets even more confusing as you do that because you have a list, everyone does the same thing. And so you don't know who to pick. <laughs> so we, we find a lot of people go that, that kind of referral way, uh, to, to pick someone.
0: Got it. Okay. And would you, would the warehouse be able to give a referral or you just talking just go to the e-commerce folks and do it that way?
1: Yeah, you could go one of two ways. You can look on your own. Uh, You can talk to your friends, or try to go on the internet and try to find some forums or groups that that have these type of discussions. You can ask your factory. Your factory will usually have shipping partners that they work with on a regular basis, so you can have them help you arrange the shipment. Uh, Oftentimes, they won't have the best rates though, because they're going to take a margin on the top of that shipment. It's not to say to not do it with them, but it might not always be the best. uh, value for your money when you're choosing them um, uh, and then you can do the the, the Google search so uh, I think those are the main three ways that people go about kind of you know finding finding a forwarder
0: okay alright yeah I feel like that's something people get hung up on too they, get, they figure out how to get the products and then they just realize oh they're all sitting somewhere in China and I need to get them to the US and then into a warehouse or 3PL Amazon or like you said your garage. So there's like this like huge gap in between. And I think people, even the term freight forwarder, some people aren't even familiar with that. Right. And it's basically, right. Yeah. It's someone that basically specializes in that gap, right. On getting the products from China to wherever that place in the U they're going to be sent from. And that's kind of the definition right. loosely of a freight forwarder. Right.
1: Yeah. Our move, moving product around the world, basically what they do is there's kind of ships, there's also planes, And these people help you basically book your product into a container on that ship, right? And they help with kind of the process of putting it there. Okay, after it gets to the U.S., how do you clear it through customs? They're going to help you with that. How do you get it from the port to your destination? And they're going to kind of be the person that books all of those small little journeys throughout the whole entire uh, travel period for your product. And these people can do that anywhere in the world. So they can't, you know, they could usually ship it to the U S and Europe and they have uh, resources to book product in many different countries around the world.
0: Yeah. So something you probably don't want to do yourself either. It sounds like, like one of those things that you're better off no. like outsourcing yeah. delegating. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so then this part, you basically have products in the warehouse and you're good to start selling, right? Is that kind of the, the whole journey?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess w- one other thing to mention, I think you uh, asked another question, which is, um, like how do you, let's say, or how would you choose someone and, and, and how would you know what they're shipping generally? And I think when, when you call them, you can ask them as a percentage of your business, how much e-commerce do you do? Right. And it's a nice way to just ask them, Hey, is 90% of your business e-commerce is 10%. You know what I mean? And, and I assume in, in the most part, they're going to tell you an honest answer and that's, will give you an idea of whether or not they have a lot of experience in, whatever you know, you're trying to ship.
0: No, it's fine. I like how in the terms actual e-commerce, like you wouldn't say how many, you know, like shirts do you send to Amazon? You would just say how much, how much e-commerce do you do? And that's like, that's the keyword phrase that you're looking for.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or how much, you know, how much of your shipments go directly to Amazon for your customers. And and then you can get a really good idea of, Whoa, okay. 50% of their shipments, they're helping Amazon sellers. That means they're really, you know, have a very good understanding of what's involved to get it to that warehouse.
0: Got it. I like that. Yeah. Cause I think, I think a lot of people don't know what to even ask. They don't know the right terms and you kind of get on the phone and you're just kind of having this like really awkward conversation on like, and you realize that you're calling a guy who ships, you know, like you said, machinery, uh, automobiles to Europe. And it's like, that's so it's like you're having two completely different conversations. You're not sure, am I wrong? Are they wrong? Are we both confused? Like, who's confused here on the phone?
1: Yeah. And I think it's good to like default to the fact, you know, tr- don't try to pretend like you know more than you do. And if, y- and keep in mind that like you are hiring the expert. So, as long as you know that they're very well-versed in that type of shipment, like if you can guarantee, Hey, they, they're shipping more than 50% they're doing for e-commerce companies. Okay. I feel more comfortable moving forward. I don't know what I'm doing. So at least they do. Right. And then, and try to verify that they know what they're doing because we all know in the beginning, we don't understand how it all, how it all works. And it's good to have someone that does
0: have that experience. Got it. Okay. it's been super helpful. I think, uh, Hopefully this kind of clears up a whole bunch of things. If people want to kind of find you, learn more about you, or if they're looking for a freight forwarder that, and they call and say, how much, what percent of your business is, uh, e-commerce? Where would they do that? Or what would you say? to that?
1: Uh, For us, it's a hundred percent. We only ship for e-commerce companies. So so yeah, we're we're special in that way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, if people want to find more about us, uh, they can go to our website at easychinawarehouse.com. Uh, or they can email me at Brian at com. Awesome,
0: Brian. Thanks a lot for coming on. It's great chatting again. Great. Thanks for having me on.